So for these recap podcast episodes, I guess we don't really do a story at the start, but maybe something that we could do is just talk a little bit about how our training, our own personal training is going, because we've kind of talked about our efforts or interests, try and run sub three hour marathons, um, which is a big, big undertaking for us. It's not trivial. It's right at the limit probably of what we could possibly do. And we've been trying to use the podcast as one more inspiration to help us along that. So maybe we could just let our readers know a little bit about how it's going. So how's it going, Liz? How's your how's your training going? Well, it hasn't been ideal. I guess we'll just start with that. Well, first of all, we were targeting a marathon. That is now canceled. Toronto in October, which is now canceled. Mm-hmm. Then we targeted another marathon. We decided yes. Philly. Philly would be great. Um, yeah, it's so kind of flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've done that a few times before. I haven't, but I heard good things about it. So yeah, it's definitely a good one. And we thought, oh, we could maybe go and see Fitz Cola. She's calling it because she's taken over calling the Philly Marathon. Mm-hmm. And that would have been a lot of fun. But now we're a bit stuck because we live in Montreal, Canada. And to go to Philly, the idea would be to drive. But that means you got to cross the border. And that means you got COVID restrictions. First problem is that uh, they're actually not letting us in yet. We haven't gotten the okay for non-essential travel uh, into the, the U.S. So at this point, it's also not looking very promising that we'll get it before November. Yeah, so maybe we're going to have to have a plan C, and I'm not sure whether we're going to, that's going to mess us up quite a lot. It's already messed up our training. So we, we had targeted a date of October 17th with Toronto. Then we changed the plan when Toronto was canceled, which was quite early. So that was okay. We had started the training, but, you know, we found out about the cancellation in July. So it was fine. We decided to do Philadelphia, which is November 22nd or around that five weeks added onto our training program. Yeah. So then we were like, no problem. We're just going to push the training program. We'll just redo some of what we had done back off a little bit for a week and then jump right back in um, because we had chosen a plan from one of the books that we read by uh, Pete Fitzinger and Scott Douglas, Advanced Marathoning. And uh, so we just thought, okay, no problem. We'll just start over and, uh, and target the other marathon. Now this plan C marathon is back at October 17th. So now it means we have to chop back off now five weeks five from weeks the training plan. Short. Yeah. So, so it means that basically we'll be missing part of the, uh, part of the training. Uh, We'll have done part of the training twice and part of the training, not at all. And in the meantime, I've also been injured. So that's been a bit of a challenge. And this gives me five less weeks to uh, get uninjured. Yeah. I've had, I've had a few, um, sort of small problems, but not real like you, you've had some like a showstopper type of injury where you've had to really back off and almost go to zero for a while. Uh, And you're still not perfect. So I haven't had that. So I've been able to keep going a little bit better, I think, Mm -hmm. but I've actually found the training tough. Um, I guess a three hour marathon is right on the limit of of where I could possibly imagine uh, being able to get. And so the training program is tough. And I'm not sure whether it's building me up stronger or actually just breaking me into pieces. <laughs> I, 
keep hovering between I do a training and it goes well and I go, yes, I've got this. I'm coming good. I'm getting stronger. Uh, and then I'll do like a training of two days later and I'll go, oh God, I'm falling apart. And, you know, mentally, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good challenge mentally and uh, it's a good challenge physically. So I think the thing is we've got to enjoy the training. Mm-hmm. decide on our probably on a plan C marathon if we're going to do it and uh, that'll be what it'll be and we'll get the positives out of the training and learnings and and benefits out of that and we might surprise ourselves and we might because, even surprise ourselves with plan, yeah, plan C marathon yeah plan C might go well and um you know Alexi Papa said that her coach told her that one third of the training should feel very hard one third should feel okay and one third will probably feel kind of good. So yes, we've now we've now referred to three of the books that we're going to talk about. So why don't we just run the music and get on with the intro and talk about the books? Good idea. Hi, and welcome to the Running Book Reviews podcast, where we review running books to help you decide if you'd like to read them for yourself. We also hope that listening to us chat about running can help keep you motivated about your own running or maybe inspire you to try something new. My name is Liz and with my co-host Alan, we're going to do something a little bit different for this episode, but not unheard of if you've been listening to our other episodes. We will be recapping some of the things that we learned, some fun facts that we picked out or some things that we just, that were just kind of sticking out in our minds after we read books uh, 21 to 30. So the first book, I guess we'll start with is My Noisy Cancer Comeback by Fitz Kohler. Wow, it seems ages since we since we uh, spoke with Fitz. Mm-hmm. I can't believe we've already read more than 30 books. We're becoming a font of running knowledge. Um, we should offer our services. <laughs> Anybody wants to know anything about any books, we've maybe read it by now. Mm-hmm. Um, Although that's what we think. And then we find out how many running books there are that we haven't read. Yeah, I'm looking at our list of um, targeted books to read. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be instead of getting shorter and shorter, it's getting longer and longer. It Every is. book we read, we add three to the list. <laughs> and we still haven't added, uh, you know, new books that we know are coming next year. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so My Noisy Comeback, Cancer Comeback by Fitzcoller. Um, I think the, the fundamental thing that I remember from it is her her attitude in front of um you know shocking difficult challenge and using her running and i think she had a phrase and she gave us a sticker that said remember i can do hard things mm-hmm. which was her originally her running training but then she just converted it into okay this is this cancer is just going to be another test and i'm going to meet the test it's going to be tough but i can do tough things um so yeah. I'll, so I often just quote that. Remember, if things are going bad, remember, you can do hard things. You've been there and done some tough things. Here's some more tough things. Yeah, I actually, that was one of the things that stood out for me too. I liked her mantra, I can do hard things. Um, the other thing that I kind of got from the um, from the book and also from the interview with Fitz is, uh, is you know, like just the idea that uh, that it can happen to anyone. You know, here is somebody that was super fit and uh, healthy, doing all the right things. She she was young and she got 
that dreaded diagnosis. And so it can kind of happen to anyone and not saying that, you know, we should all be scared that it'll happen to us, but just um, never take anything for granted, I guess. Yeah. And then if it does happen, it doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. Yeah. Super cool. Shall we go on to uh, advanced marathoning by Pete Fitzinger and Scott Douglas? Uh, absolutely. And uh, what we got out of this is um, we decided, we both decided we would use this book to take on a new marathon training program. So what we got out of that is an actual training program for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we chose, did we choose the intermediate or the medium program? Yeah, I think it was like kind of one of the which ones is, in the middle. It wasn't which, the elite which is, one. Which is fairly hard. I mean, it's got sort of averages about, I can't remember what it is in miles, but it, it seems about 120, 110, 120K per week. You know, what I've seen about that training program is is it the, the thing that it offered me that I never had in a training program was more endurance still trying to, whilst still trying to maintain your speed. So mm-hmm. we've done we've done programs before, which are, you know, tempo and building your tempo and then doing long runs, but doing them slowly. But this is a whole, whole volume of, of running, uh, not that far off your marathon target pace, sort of 10 to 10 to 20 percent slower than your target marathon pace. Um, and that's an entirely new proposition for me. I found mm-hmm. that quite difficult to cope with to begin with because my legs weren't used to running that amount of volume that quickly. Yeah. And I found that uh, it killed my actual high-end speed, like my race, 5K, 10K race pace, and it almost killed me. Um, <laughs> and I've, gra- <laughs> I've gradually picked up, um, and you know, I'm learning to cope with it. And I had a big week this week and been able to do all of the tough runs. And so it's offered a training program with that in it. And as I said in the intro, I'm still not sure whether it's going to make me or break me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we'll find out. To find out. <laughs> yeah. Yay. <laughs> yeah. I was actually looking at my notes for this one and um, I had written down something from the chapter about masters running because that was one of the new chapters in the third edition. And uh, one of the, the points that they mention is um, to slow the rate of, of, slowing down with age, uh, you can actually counter the, the, you know, age-related slowing down by continuing to do VO2 max workouts and strength training, obviously, in addition to the other things like sleeping and good nutrition and all that. But I think it's one of those things that uh, as you get older, you think, oh, no, I should do less uh, high-end training because I'm going to get injured. But actually, uh, they say that no, it's the opposite. You should you should continue to do it. I don't think they say do it more, but continue to do it so that you can you know continue to keep that um, that range of speeds. Yeah, that's a great that's a great take home because it can appear counterintuitive. You just get older, you just get slower, and you don't do anything that's stressful. Mm-hmm. No, you can keep you can keep the uh, keep your conditioning by a bit of power related work but a small amount with good recoveries okay want to move on to um the next book which i think is bravey by alexi pappas i enjoyed i enjoyed bravey a lot just as a story 
and uh, just reading about Alexi Papa's life. It's too bad that we didn't have her on the podcast episode, but uh, but the book was was fantastic. And I guess like one of the things that I I liked to hear was uh, how her coach told her that one third of your week out workouts should feel terrible, one third okay, and one third should feel great. So it's kind of good thing for us to keep in mind, especially during, you know, this kind of uh, new training that we've been trying to do where yeah. there's a lot of like medium long runs, sort of not at an easy jog pace um, and still quite long. And, you know, they've been a bit, uh, some of them are a bit of a grind. So at least, you know, kind of, I don't know, for me, I've kind of tried to keep that in mind. Okay. It's, it's okay. Like if one of them is a grind or, you know, I can't hold the pace, like it's okay. As long as, uh, as long as, you know, there are also the ones that, uh, that feel okay in between. Yeah. The rule of thirds and you can apply that to a, to a lot of things, I think. So the other, I had a couple other things that kind of stood out. So uh, when she talks about how many Olympians experience depression after the Olympics, uh, I thought that was, uh, that was something I never thought about because, you know, you think, oh, well, you know, these Olympians, they just, they just did like one of the hardest things that you could do in sport, make it to the Olympics. They competed in the Olympics, but you know, I guess when you've been working for one goal for so long, for so many years, and then you've achieved it, it's sort of like, well, what's next? Yeah, you have a focus and then your focus disappears. It's kind of like an afterwards blues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know when, when we have, we've had in the past some, you know, big events like going running in the Trans Selkirks, for example, where, you know, you, you look forward to it for a year and you're building on it and you're talking about how it's, you're going to train for it and mm-hmm. how and you're planning. going to recover and how you're going to plan and travel plans and conditioning plans and recovery and food and all those things. And then you do it and you succeed to get through it. And then afterwards, you kind of have this big empty feeling because you've had so much of your thinking has been built up into that. And I guess they have an extreme version of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that impressed me was just just how Alexi is sort of very human and talks about, you know, her problems and her difficulties. She's very upfront about some of the challenges, but how multi-skilled and how how many things she manages to achieve in a sh- pack pack things into a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Curse you, Alexi, because you're packing everything in. You weren't able to have a bit of schedule available to talk with us. So curse you for being such a wonderful, skillful person, being both a, a film star and a national class athlete. I think she ran for Greece uh, at the Olympics in Rio. Um, just shows you, you know, what can be achieved if you if you take on the challenge and just push ahead. And speaking of challenges, I liked one of her uh one of her, I I don't know if it's a saying, but I uh, want she's she talks about turning the word can't to maybe. So instead of like I can't do this, well, instead maybe you should just say, well, maybe maybe I can. I don't yeah, know if I can. That's, maybe that's I can. Her, that's part of her poem at the start, which is mm-hmm. when she explains what what she means by bravery. Be a bravery. Turn can't into maybe something like that. Yeah, I like that. As we say in uh, Montreal, suivant next. <laughs> next book was uh, Running in the Midpack by Angie Andrews and Martin Yelling. 
I guess uh, I really liked the uh, goal setting rules. It's, I mean, we all know them. It was just a good reminder. Uh, be realistic, be flexible, make it personal, uh, be specific and be patient. So I guess um, the, the I have a hard time with the uh, flexibility. So, you know, I, I really like, like if there's something written on the plan, like I hate when I, I can't do it. <laughs> so, so, you know, I guess uh, it, it's a good reminder for me. Uh, running in the mid-pack. Well, I think this is like a pretty good book for, for people who, you know, want to read up on just running stuff and they're just an average sort of runner. Probably not a, not a beginner, not a rank beginner, but and probably not a super expert either, although there are, there's plenty of advice in there. So, so there's great general advice uh, in the book. Well, I liked Angie and Martin's, Angie Andrews and Martin Yelling's dynamic. They seem to be a good pair from book writing point of view, um, mm-hmm. have a good sense of humor. The great thing about uh, running in the mid-pack, I thought, was the excellent chapter very early on. I think it was chapter two on psychology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. They put that at the front. Yeah, they really talk about being mentally ready and basically having your stuff together to go on to a long, whatever your goal is, but a long project in terms of running. So that was, you know, pretty unusual and uh, pretty useful, I think. Mm-hmm. So an entirely different book is uh, the next one, Running on Tired Legs by Bill Graham, which is more of a sort of personal experience uh, book. But like a life story. Yeah. What did you take from that? Um, I think one of the things was uh, that running can bring you happiness after you stop getting faster. So, I mean, you know, Bill Graham, he's not getting faster and yeah. it's been a while, uh, but he's, you know, he's still so happy to do it. And he's explored different things like uh, running an ultra and doing mountain marathons, which uh, I didn't know what a mountain marathon was. And now I know it's sort of like a, it's sort of like an expedition that you're trying to get to the finish line first, but there's no planned route, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it's a sort of, it's a cross between ultra running and orienteering. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually got in my notes uh, an, int- an introduction to the wacky world of mountain marathons because it sounds absolutely <laughs> like re- ridiculous and stupendous at the same time. And there's some great tales in there of his exploits. And he's clearly had a, a, a great life in running and moved around and done a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. And met a lot of interesting people because of it. Spent some time in South Africa. So he talks about comrades a, lo- a little bit, um, which is pretty good. And running in the fells of England and the highlands of Scotland, basically um, in places that he didn't really know existed because he turned up for this mountain marathon and they don't tell you where they're going beforehand. And they put you on a boat or a bus and they take you to the start, which is somewhere you've never seen before mm-hmm. and then say, okay, here you go, get the map and off you go and run. And you're not allowed your iPhone GPS. No, none of no. that stuff. None of that. And then you have to sleep in a tent and do it all again the next day. Cause it's two days. <laughs> <laughs> It kind of makes you want to to do that sort of stuff, but then you read about one in Scotland where it rains or snows overnight. Yeah. You go, mm, maybe I don't know not, about that. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the book after that was uh, Make the Leap by Brian Greene. Yeah, an entirely different book. So uh, it's kind of a management book meets a running book. So it mm-hmm. talks about process and procedure and uh, how would you describe it? It's kind of how, how to go about running, how to maximize running, sort of like almost like a self-improvement book, but running. Yeah, because nowhere in the book is he saying that, um, you know, that you should be running more. He's kind of saying just to think about your training differently and that can help you improve with the training that you've already got. So that's pretty powerful. And here are some tools to help you do that. Here are the things you should think about. And these Mm. are, here are the obstacles that you can think about removing. And here's the way in which you would do that. That's sustainable. So it was all, it's kind of an overall model, which is, Mm -hmm. which is pretty powerful. And Brian actually lives and uh, works in Japan. And there was sort of a Japanese aspect to it in terms of uh, continuous improvement, you know, constant um, small improvements by looking at certain aspects and how to methodology of how to do that Mm -hmm. um, and really prepare yourself to suddenly be able to achieve things that you weren't able to achieve before. Yeah. And um, he really, I mean, that's why it's called make the leap is, is he, um, he kind of describes that improvement happens in leaps. It's not like, okay, today I put some effort. So tomorrow I'm that much better. It's more like, well, you put some effort, you put some effort, you put some effort and like, you don't really know if it's working or not. And then all of a sudden you get to a race and you take two minutes Shazam. off your 10 K time. Yeah. Uh, so, and the other uh, thing that he kind of mentions is like, you know, then you will sort of plateau and for runners to plateau, it's sort of a, you know, it, uh, it, it plays with our heads and we think, mm. oh, that's it. That was, that's the end of my potential, yeah. but it's actually not because the way that he describes like making leaps is that, you know, you'll always, there's kind of a little plateau in the, where you're sort of at your new baseline. And then you know, your body's, I guess you're kind of consolidating and then you might make another leap and you actually don't really know where your improvement will stop until many years later, once you realize that it hasn't improved for a long, long, long time. Um, So basically the moral of the story is just keep on believing that you're going to be able to make another step. And, And basically you can, because are you doing everything perfectly? No. So it's, then it's just a question of if you can find the next thing, uh, you can move your performance up, but then you've got maybe age or a new job or a wife, wife, husband, children, just getting older and, and all of that's taking away from your performance perhaps. And uh, it's a question of can you do a little bit more to counteract that or manage some of those things better to give you a better or just not have those things, I guess, get in the way of your training. Yeah. Yeah. I also like he says, ability is not talent. It's talent molded by effort over time. Basically, if you think, oh, I, I don't have the innate, the innate uh, skills to be that good. Mm-hmm. Thinking like that is what's holding you back. Not, yeah. Not and you actually like don't know that because you'll only know that if you put in the effort because yeah. talent doesn't just you just you don't just express it you have to do the work also 
even if you're yeah i guess until you're doing the training program that and everything else in your lifestyle that Eliud kipchoge has or does you won't know whether you're as good as him or not Mm -hmm. um and then uh there was a section that talks about like uh athletes and coaches and so you know traditionally we're kind of like and i i was like a perfect example of this uh when i was running with my previous coach is um I would execute the plan that was 100% on me, but he was the one doing the planning and the evaluation. But what Brian Green says is no, like, yes, as an athlete, you do 100% of the plan, but you also need to involve yourself in the planning and the evaluation. So you actually should be evaluating your, your training in, of the previous season with your coach and deciding like what you're going to do next. Basically, you have to own your own training 100%. Mm-hmm. So another good one and plenty of learning for us in, in there. Entirely different was our, our next book, High Performance Nutrition for Masters Athletes. We were all excited about this. And this, <laughs> in, this is by uh, Lauren Antonucci. In fact, one of our quite popular uh, podcasts, people seem to be into nutrition. Mm-hmm. I think it's an important topic. Well, I think I, I certainly discovered there's an aspect in my own training that nutrition can fill. The key thing for me, I learned as a um, an older athlete, so somebody who's running and somebody who's also well into the age where they're aging, that I need a lot more protein in my diet, a shocking amount of protein even. It was kind <laughs> yeah. of, oh, this is impossible. <laughs> How can I do this? You know, I think I think you you were very insistent on making the point that carbohydrates are good. If you're an athlete, carbohydrates are not bad for you. They're not fat making, uh, um, yeah, like terrible the- things. They're good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've always known that, but I think the thing that shocked me was I need to eat quite a bit more protein in order to stop muscle wastage and help my regeneration and my recovery. And in fact, changed some of my habits after reading that book. Yeah, I can tell you that Alan always has his protein drink afterwards sitting in the car and he will drink it even if it was warm from sitting in the car during the yep. workout. After the, after the run, I'll, you know, we're chatting. I've usually got the, the drink out and uh, I would say probably 95% of my runs end with some kind of protein drink now. One of the yeah, the things that stuck out stuck out for me was uh, yes the protein I yeah I'm really trying hard for that um, but also the uh, most that most athletes underfuel most masters athletes underfuel um, mm-hmm. for their training so that was kind of yeah I I never I never thought of that but Lauren said that uh, she even has examples in her book that when she asked uh, her athletes to eat more they actually started to perform better. How wonderful. Yeah. More to eat and better performances. That's that's what I call a win-win. I don't think that's so wonderful. I find it's like, it's hard to eat that much. But anyway, I guess we have different opinions on that. Yeah, I, I find it's, it's just, it's sometimes hard just to organize the meals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that came out of the nutrition book by Lauren as well was, In fact, if you look at the science and you look at the data and you look at the research, it kind of plays down the idea of a lot of secret little tweaks 
Um, we know caffeine works. Mm-hmm. There's data around that. Mm-hmm. But in fact, I was surprised at how few other things have solid, comprehensive data supporting their use. So in terms of, you know, supplements and additives and, you know, tweaks and yeah, people will swear by beetroot juice or, you know, pomegranate juice or whatever it is, but there's not a huge amount of data that supports it. Uh, There's some logic and it it clearly works for some people, but there's no sort of not many magical things that you can guarantee that will work. Yeah. Mostly you should concentrate on getting the basics right, getting your protein right, getting mm-hmm. your carbs up enough, getting your fat fueling, um, eating fruits the right and vegetables, sorts of, the right sorts of fats. I mean, have, you know, good fruits and vegetables and also diets. My general conclusion after talking with Lauren is if you're an athlete, diets are not a good idea. There are lots of people who swear by some diet, a paleo diet or an Atkins diet or um, intermittent fasting or something like that. But generally you have to fuel your effort and diets Mm -hmm. are just taking away from your ability to fuel your effort, which is already quite difficult to do correctly. So some good, some good info in there and lots of um, good points for us more than probably I can build into my daily regime. Okay, so moving on to the next book, uh, I Hate Running and You Can Too. By Brendan Leonard. You want to have first comments on that? Sure. Uh, so I love the pictograms. This book was uh, mostly pictograms. There was some writing, but the pictograms say it all. And, uh, and they're, they're very cute and funny. Um, so I, I particularly loved the, uh, the one with the calendar of like, you know, all the, the different colors of the weather and yeah. basically the perfect running days. There were like two of them in the whole year. Otherwise it was like yeah. too windy, too snowy, too snowy and windy, too snowy and cold, uh, too rainy and windy anyway. Like, so you get the idea too hot and uh, so forth. So, uh, so that one was kind of cute. Um, and basically the idea is that there's no bad weather, just bad clothing choices. And uh, I also loved the pictogram where it was over several pages and it was like a little block and then you turn over and then there's two little blocks. It said like a little thing or something. A little thing, yeah. And then five little things. And then you turn it off and it says many small things become one big thing and you have a pile of little blocks that just made like this one big giant block. So basically a great way to illustrate, just be consistent and keep doing consistent small efforts mm-hmm. and eventually they add up to something substantial that you couldn't have imagined to begin with. Exactly. Um, this was a super easy to read book. So lots of pictures and um, simple messages, but really nicely put. So, you know, things like, are you a real runner? Well, stop worrying about it. Just do the verb until you become the noun. I don't worry about whether you're a runner or not, just run. And then eventually you will automatically become a runner in your own eyes. However you define that. Wise words. Yeah. And it was fun talking to Brendan because it's almost like he's discovered running and, you know, he has a deep appreciation for it, but he also has a funny, quirky sense of humor in the way that he presents it. So Mm -hmm. it's a a very fun to read book with simple messages, but great reminders. So super motivational. Yeah. Yeah. So the next book was um, was a, also a very good story. 
uh, This Voice in My Heart by Gilbert Tuabanye. Oh, she gets it right first time. Hey. <laughs> Gilbert Tuabanye. <laughs> Nobody knows because we edited it out the podcast, but uh, uh, you had to have two or three tries of that before you... <laughs> Yeah, it turns out, you know, when when you're reading a book and then you're pronouncing something a certain way in your head, but it's actually not correct. But then you've ingrained it because you've read it so many times in your head. And so, yeah, that's what happened to me. (laughs) At least Alan got a really good laugh out of it. And Gilbert, too, actually. Uh, Gilbert was a fantastic person to speak with as well. I mean, he's so positive given given what he's been through in his life in terms of... uh, well, the story was basically his his life story from um, being a refugee um, and actually being involved in the I forget the names of the tribes the Tutsi and the and the Hutu the Hutu tribes yes that's right in terms of their the the genocide or the attempted genocide of the the Tutsi tribes in neighboring Rwanda but also in his his country and how he was involved in an absolutely horrendous uh, scenario where everyone at his school except for him was killed in a sort of genocide type uh, attack. Completely unbelievable to hear somebody sort of talk to you in the Western world about such a story. And now, of course, he's in Texas. uh, No, yes, he's in Austin, Texas Mm -hmm. um, with a running group. And I think his, his, um, his motto is running with joy or run with joy. Mm-hmm. And he's just such a positive guy. He is. He's, he hasn't let this embitter him in any way. He has horrendous scarring from burning and uh, um, machete uh, marks that he has from his childhood. And he's just, I don't know, just so amazingly positive and forgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he started a charity for um, to get running water for all of the households in his country. And uh, one of the things is that he's not doing it just for the Tutsis. He says, like, they're all people and and they should all have equal access to, to water. So his charity actually just provides running yeah, water to each household. No discrimination. And I mean, that was just incredible that he, you know, that he was able to forgive because you can kind of understand if somebody would not be able to forgive in that case like yeah, that. Yeah, if because members he, of your sort of family or your, have been your friends killed. were killed yeah. and and you know you have all this trauma because you suffered a lot of injuries. So um yeah, I thought he was he's a super inspirational guy. And uh also I guess it shows that you kind of never know what you're capable of until you try because his injuries were so bad that uh, uh when he saw his running coach, like his running coach didn't think that he was ever gonna run again. No, he'd be lucky to walk. Mm-hmm. And he ended up coming back to run at a high level, competing internationally. Um, and that's how he ended up in the US. And uh hopefully he's gonna bring his uh athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're called Gilbert's Gazelles up to, to Montreal to run uh, maybe next year. That'd be fun to see him. Um, so the, la- the last book in our, our list of 21 to 30 was um, uh, the first book that we, we did on during the Olympics, Abdi's World by Abdi Abdirahman. So Abdi's World was uh, basically 
uh, Abdi's athletic trajectory mostly. Uh, it had a little bit of sort of uh, him coming to the U.S., but uh, it was mostly his his six Olympic cycles. There was one cycle that he didn't make it to the Olympics, but now his uh, the most recent Olympics, he made the Olympics at the age of like 43. So he's had an incredibly long career. He just seems like like such a, I don't know, he, he just seems to be at peace with uh, with, you know, whatever he decides um, throughout the book, like one of the things that that kind of stuck out for me was uh, that sometimes doing the right thing for yourself is maybe not the, the thing that everybody else does. So like for Abdi, he uh, didn't go to altitude training for for like several, I think the first few Olympic cycles, because I mean, he was having good success with his training and he wanted to stay in Tucson where he lives with his, you know, with his family, his friends, his coach. Uh, and he just didn't, didn't feel like he needed to go to train at altitude, even though he had been invited. I think he was also incredibly loyal in that mm-hmm. he stayed with his original coach and it was working with his coach and he knew he had a good thing with his coach. Mm-hmm. And so he was happy to stay you know, it wasn't broke, so he didn't feel he had to fix it. Yeah. Um, and so you don't see that very often, the, the, the loyalty level that, that Abdi was showing. And I think one of the things that uh, shone through to me from Abdi was no matter how good you are, you should keep your sense of fun. Like, don't take yourself too, 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 too seriously mm-hmm. and, and just relax in between times of, you know, you're going to have intense. It's a bit like training. You know, we, we say, if you're going to train really well, then once in a while, you have to go really, really hard because you've got to push your limit and you've got to, you know, trying to make yourself better. But in between times, you should probably go relatively, relatively easy. You may have to do that a lot in terms of volume, but I think he keeps his, his character almost like that. He doesn't mm-hmm. take himself too seriously and he has good sense of fun and he, he relaxes and just seems to be like a normal Joe, just doing normal stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes time, time to really perform, he gets all serious. And because he does a great job of relaxing, when it comes time to get serious, he can really go for it. And I think that's kind of seems to have been the secret of why he's been able to go on for so long um, through effectively through six Olympic cycles because mm-hmm. he missed one out so and getting to the Olympics five times. Um, I liked Abdi's rules to live by. He has like five of them. So the, the first, the first one is actually the one that stuck out the most. A setback is a setup for a comeback, which actually describes Abdi's journey kind of pretty well because you know the Olympic cycle he missed was actually the the last one, I believe. And um, you know, you, you'd think I, I think he was probably even told by some people because you know he was. Uh, probably almost 40 at that point. And they were thinking, oh, well, he's going to retire now. And nope, there he goes. He just, he just got back, got back into the training and um, came back and made, uh, made another U.S. Olympic teams. I guess we were joking with him when we said, oh, well, what about Paris then? No, you'll have to get back in for the next cycle. It's only three years away. Mm -hmm. But we, we were kind of joking. And he was kind of joking, but he didn't say, well, there's no way. 
I think he's going to try for it. Actually, I mean, I hope he's going to try for it. It would be great to see him try, even even if he doesn't succeed. It would be great to see him try. Yeah. I don't know if, if you want to hear his other rules to live by, but uh, the other ones are there is no such thing as a quick fix. So good to keep in mind, like you can't cram for a marathon. So no, like me being injured. Oh, we don't know what that's going to yeah. give in the end. <laughs> Uh, the last week of a taper cannot make you fitter. Recovery is part of the training and have fun and enjoy the journey, which is exactly Abdi. Yes. And absolutely what you've got to do. Um, because if you judge, if you judge the journey on your destination, maybe you're not going to arrive in a place and you'll feel bad about all the preparation you've done. Mm-hmm. So that's the 10 books. I mean, there's quite a, there's quite a, a, a bunch of their different things. I think there are some sort of educational type books on nutrition or training. There are storybooks, Gilbert's book about the genocide and learning to run uh, and being a refugee, et cetera. Um, Abdi's about the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Bravey. And there's sort of a different mixed bag. I mean, some are just uh, general informational books. So, you know, I hate running as motivational and, uh, um, running in the mid pack is is sort of a general general information for all runners. So different types, and I guess that's what makes it fun to some extent. We keep looking at books, and we keep getting different types of books, and they they have different types of of sort of interest to them. And uh, it's good to be switching backwards and forwards, and you know having having a taste of all the flavors of different running books is quite is one aspect that I find kind of fun about this podcast. Mm-hmm. I hope that, uh, you know, people will um, take something from some of these books or even by listening to this podcast, maybe they will reflect back on some of the other episodes that we've done and they might go back and listen to episodes that they haven't listened to about some of these books. And hopefully maybe it piques your interest enough to go get the book for yourself and, uh, you know, read more about running because... Well, I don't know. We think that's a good idea. Because everybody should read more running books. Everyone should read more running books. Yep. And everybody should listen to more podcasts about reading running books. (laughs) There you have it. Okay. So that's our summary. Um, Any last words, Liz? Not for me. You summed it up good. Okay. So that's our third um, actual summary program or recap uh, episode third one now because we've covered more than 30 books so thank you for listening to another episode of running book reviews if you'd like to leave us feedback about how we can improve the podcast or you want to suggest a book that you think we should review for a future episode please leave us a comment on social media we are running book reviews on facebook and instagram and on twitter we are reviews underscore running Please be sure to follow us on social media to find out about new episodes when they're released. Or you can just subscribe to the podcast on your stream, favorite streaming platform to be informed when the new podcast issues. That's all for us for today from Running Book Reviews. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.